This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Ryder is a chartered financial analyst and also holds their Certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Are you retired and do you have questions about your investments? Are you seven years from retirement? Maybe you're 30 years from retiring and want to know what you consider to have a nest egg of funds. We'd like to answer your retirement investing questions and personal finance questions this morning. So give us a call. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Morning, Ryder. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Yes, Kevin. Uh, what about some financial news in the news? Uh, yes. So uh, anybody who's watched the stock market for the past uh, week or so knows that um, we've kind of fallen off of our basically all-time highs. Uh, the stock market this morning was down about 5% from all-time highs a couple weeks ago and um, bounced back a couple percent today. But, you know, in, in a drop like that, you know, 5% is something we expect it will happen kind of well, frequently. Um, but that does not compare uh, to the drop in the Argentina stock market. Uh, yesterday, they had elections, and apparently the result of the elections was uh, wildly different from people what people expected. And uh, their currency was down 20 to 30 percent, and their, their stock market was down another 20 to 30 percent. So from an American standpoint, it looked like their stock market was down something like 48 percent. Wow. Um, so whenever you see a little volatility in the U.S. market. You see the market down, you know, a couple percent in a day or two. Uh, just remember, uh, it it could be worse. Uh, it could be a lot worse. And, um, and it just kind of goes to the importance of, you know, uh, diversification, um, always uh, in, you know, being prepared for a bad thing. Of course, we don't generally prepare people for a single day, 50% drop, um, but do prepare people for realistically bad things uh, that might happen. So I guess in, investors don't like uncertainty and it's certainly a situation where you have national elections and it's a complete mm-hmm. surprise that would that would qualify for uncertainty. Absolutely. In a case like that, would things possibly shake out and recover a little bit as, as the situation stabilizes? It, it should. I mean, I th- whenever you have a huge sell-off like that, that there's there's going to be some overdoing. Uh, there's going to be some overdoing just be people overshooting where it should sell off to. And there's also going to be, you know, they're throwing out, you know, the, the good stocks with the bad. You know, there might be stocks that benefit uh, from, you know, whatever kind of new political reality they have. There are going to be stocks that benefit from the lower peso. Um but it, it when you're just kind of when it happens that quickly, I mean, it, if you look at the chart, it was just a straight line down, um, and, and that's and that's a function of a lot of things. They have a less developed stock market. Their stock market can't handle the selling pressure that our stock market can, just because we have a deeper and wider pool of money, uh, pool of liquidity there. Um, so so yeah, there's a lot of technical factors that go into something like that as well. Um, but there's there's definitely some. Going to be some something overdone in there as well. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our primary topic this morning is retirement investing. But as always, any personal financial
and answer questions that you have. Ryder is here and uh, able to, uh, willing to add his expertise to the situation and help you resolve your questions. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So I guess uh, to begin our discussion, we'll define retirement, and we're saying it's uh, someone who's no longer working full-time uh, when you have sources of income uh, that don't have to be earned by working. Uh, so it could be retirement investing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, 401k, uh, I right. um, uh, can't think of the other word. Social pension, security, social pensions, security, yes. Other sources, sort of yes, absolutely. Um, and, and also you have things like Medicare taking over a lot of your health care expenses because that's uh, for, especially for older folks who uh, are not working, that is one, or who are working and don't have coverage at work, that is going to be one of their largest expenses, uh, health care. Um, yeah, so retirement, I always kind of think of it financially as, yeah, it, yes, it is when you stop setting aside money uh, for, for, for retirement. It's when you've earned and when you've collected and gathered all of the money that you're going to have. Now, for some people, they still, you know, they're just going to step back from work, you know, maybe work three days a week or two days a week, or maybe move to a lower paying, but a career that, you know, is just rewarding in a different way. And so they're not necessarily just immediate, you know, you don't necessarily go from, you know, your last day of work to first day of just spending all your money um, but they are they are definitely you know that that's not growing from deposits anymore that is that is going they are going to depend on that in some way even if it's just even if it's just a backup you know say they have enough pension or social security or a little bit of extra income uh, to live on that is that's all they have to back them up at that point so uh, does retiring mean that you should stop investing um, no, 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 absolutely not. Because, and, and here's the thing, people are living longer and longer and longer. Um, you know, it used to be, even, you know, um, a life expectancy at birth is something like 70-something years. I uh, can't remember off the top of my head, but that doesn't mean that everybody drops dead at 70. If you make it to 70, you are expected to live another 30 or so years, or 20 to 30 years. I mean, I'm not quite sure where it is. Um, but every you know every year that you live, you're expected to live longer and longer and longer um, because you are one of the ones who didn't die. Um, so you still have a long time to plan for. I mean, to think about that. You say you're 65, uh, you're retiring, you, you're looking at another 30, 35 years. That's, that's almost as long as your working career was. You know, you have almost the whole thing to do over again, uh, minus the years when you were a child and in school. Um, so, so you should absolutely, you know, unless you just have absolutely tons of cash saved up and, you know, you have no fears of inflation, uh, then, then sure, whatever. You can just spend that down and, you know, and you're going to make it. But most people, that plan will still rely on their assets growing. Um, and not just them growing to support their needs in the future, but them growing at least just to outpace inflation. You know, even if you have a good amount saved and you're very conservative with your investing, you know, there is still the risk that the, your your expenses, your lifestyle expenses will increase. And I was just looking at kind of a, a breakdown of how inflation works. And it is the um, uh, it is the labor intensive things that have gotten so much more expensive. You know, you always see these charts and, you know, 
you know, healthcare expenses, super high inflation, education expenses, super high inflation. And while when you retire, you're not going to have a whole lot of education expenses. Um, but hey, lifetime, be a lifetime learner. Try it out. Um, but uh, you have a lot of healthcare expenses and, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to maybe need home health at some point, maybe need uh, just more doctor and hospital visits, um, all sorts of things that get more expensive. And of course, there is Medicare to take some of that, uh, some of that load off. And then for some folks, there's Medicaid to take some of that load off. But um, a lot of things that you want and need uh, in retirement and those those experiential things that you want and need are kind of luxury items. Um, those will be getting more expensive. And you need to make sure that your money isn't going to run out just because of the increasing costs there. We are talking about retirement investing today, but also looking for personal finance questions. So give us a call to join the conversation. Open phone lines at one eight seven seven mpb ring one 7464 Email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So this might be a time where your in- investment strategy would change. So would it be a good time to possibly visit a financial planner and help you maybe look five, ten years down the road as you as you begin your retirement. Absolutely. Um, and, and there are sort of, you know, these these life goal mileposts in your life where there are big changes and, um, you know, kind of financially we look at those things like, you know, you starting your first job, you know, getting significant raises, changing jobs, um, you know, getting inheritance, you know, some kind of walking through as you age with things that might happen, you know, uh, children, sending children to college. Yes, Planning for retirement um, is huge, um, and if if you're thinking about retirement in in the next year or so, and you haven't already seen a financial planner, you need to you need to go back in time about five or ten years and go <laughs> visit one, um, because the the run up to your retirement is huge. Um, you know, you know, if you're looking if you're looking at retirement next year. And and you are not already in a fi- in a place financially where you can do it. There's there's not a lot you can do. Um, besides just say, hey, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to work another five years. If you are ten years out from retirement, say you know you plan on retiring at 60, 65, and you're you are fifty or fifty five years old, and you're looking at retirement, maybe you have a little bit saved up, maybe you're behind, whatever. You have ten years, you have five, ten years to catch up. Um, you know you can start making those changes now, and they don't have to be painful adjustments. If you are one year out and you are behind, and there's just no way that you can keep working, you're just going to have to make some lifestyle adjustments and they are going to be painful. And, and, and so that's why it's important, you know, the earlier, the better. And, you know, we always say from the, from your first paycheck, start thinking about those long, long, long term goals and you don't have to obsess over them. You just have to, you just have to start doing things to make sure it's taken care of. Start putting money in your 401k, start setting, setting money aside. You know, just just go ahead and take care of it. Make sure it's going to happen so that in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you won't have to make sudden painful adjustments to get ready. And, you know, I think that that's uh, one thing that we talk a lot about on the show is why you re- why you plan for your retirement, that sort of thing, is as you mentioned it, so that the lifestyle that you're used to as a working person, uh, you can maintain that and you don't have to make uh, drastic uh, changes uh, when you're in retirement. It is time for our first break. We're talking about retirement investing this morning, and we'll also take your personal finance questions. So give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring which is one 672 
888-346-7464. You can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Uh, you can call us uh, with those questions. Also, think about this. How much money do you need to retire? We'll talk about that when we come back from the break. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss part of the show, visit mpbonline.org slash money talks to listen again. Also, we would like to remind you about downloading the MPB public media app. When you do that, you get to listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all the Think Radio shows on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Before the break, we asked the question, how much money do you need to retire? Well, there are some retirement calculators available on the Internet that can help you figure that out. Each person's situation is different, of course. You'll need to enter your current age, income, savings balance, and how much you save towards retirement each month. Estimating travel expenses, health care, and if your home is paid for are all factors in deciding how much money you'll need to live on during retirement. Vanguard and NerdWallet.com each have a calculator you can play around with, putting in different amounts. So, uh, again, if you have a question for us this morning, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We do have some questions on the line, so let's start first with Charles and Jackson. Good morning, Charles. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning to everybody. Good morning. Good morning. You know, the conversation that you're having this morning regarding retirement is, is an, an important one. Mm-hmm. But the thing that the couple well thing that comes to my mind is this, that Mississippi and I think probably Louisiana is probably all the two states that have a poverty rate exceeding 20% of the population. Mm-hmm. You're right. uh, and also, um, you know, for a person to, but also Mississippi, as you know, is rated number 48 in the country overall as well as everything. Yes. Um, so that means that so people or individuals need to have money to invest for retirement or for just to live day to uh, day. To day. That's correct. You know, I would love to hear a program that talked about things that could be done in Mississippi that could help, uh, that people could do to help increase their income level. And, you know, that may be policy or, or whatever, so that they could have money to say, sit down well, so that more people would have the, the opportunity to sit down and talk about investing in retirement pro- programs. 
Uh, mm-hmm. and, then, and then discuss about, you know, well, I'm retired now and I have excess money. Should I spend it or should I, uh, should I uh, invest it? You know, most people in this country don't have retirement programs, especially if they, like this, their retirement program is not offered by their employer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those are, those are my thoughts, and I just wanted to throw, throw that out at you, and you all have a good day. Yeah, thank you so much for that call, Charles. Um, and it makes me think of um, a couple of things. Um, first, you're, you're absolutely right. When we're talking about investing and, you know, you need to be saving this much money and put this away for your retirement, um, we are generally talking about higher income folks. I mean, um, not not wealthy, wealthy folks. I mean, even just uh, a lot of regular folks need it too. But that, we're talking about people who are significantly above the poverty line. Um, the poverty line uh, for a single individual is like $12,000 a year. Um, and, and I'm not quite sure how that adjusts for family sizes. But generally speaking, when you when you look at Social Security and all of your savings are going to be most people's primary uh, primary retirement incomes. Um, uh, if you have a pension, you're very lucky. Lucky if you work for the state of Mississippi, we have a fantastic pension system. Um, and. For folks on the lower on the income scale, I, and, and you know, pardon me, I kind of f- forget exactly where these breakpoints are. But lower on the income scale, uh, your your Social Security benefit is going to matter a lot more. So for someone who's only making you know thirty thousand dollars a year their whole life, or you know, kind of you know at that point when they retire, you know, Social Security is going to make up a most of their income. I mean, they are not. You you know, their lifestyle isn't going to change significantly um, when their Social Security check comes in, um, you know, because it's not for for some just what how their life should have, you know, should be evolving. You know, it's not going to be a significant cut to their lifestyle, whereas, you know, if you were making you know, $100,000 a year, your Social Security check is not going to replace all of that, and you're going to need significant resources outside of that to maintain your lifestyle. Uh, so that's kind of one thing when I think about, you know, how how do people in poverty, how do people just lower on the income scale, not even in poverty, just just not making a lot of money and having a hard time, how do they make it? It is, it is less important for them to have significant assets outside, um, but having out assets outside of your Social Security or pension are still going to be very useful uh, for it, regardless who you are, regardless how much money you made in your life. Having savings out, um, having extra savings is going to be helpful. Um, so let's see. And and then I think you mentioned kind of policy wise. You know, I mean that's that's a great idea. You know, um, just you know so the way Social Security is weighted towards lower income is is a good thing. I think um, you know part of the idea of Social Security it it keeps people from being in the most dire poverty when they retire. And I think I think and that's obviously very important. Um and other policy things, there are some access to. To uh, I know they did try the MyRA, which was a tre- treasury. The U.S. Treasury offered basically an IRA-style savings account. Um, not a lot of folks participate in that. Um, increasing the amount, you know, availability of employer-sponsored plans, um, and you know that's that's tricky because uh, a lot of employer-sponsored plans. There are some very low-cost ones, but a lot of employer-sponsored 
concert plans, they're expensive to maintain. And so, uh, especially when you have a lot of employees. And so quite often, um, uh, companies, they're, they're not going to want to maintain a plan unless they've got very highly, uh, compensated employees who are putting away a lot and making that plan worth it. Um, so, you know, other things to encourage retirement savings will be good. Um, but also just, you know, making sure the Social Security benefit uh, continues to be weighted uh, towards uh, lower income earners, I think, is a thing that makes a lot of sense. Also, I think we've said this on the show before as well, is that <clears throat> save what you can, uh, because once you get in the habit of, of saving money, uh, if you ever are able to earn more wages, then uh, you have that habit and you can put some money away. So you don't you don't need to be a rich person to, right. to begin to understand how to put money away and how to save uh, for the future future. We've got another caller on the line, so we say good morning uh, to Joe from Jackson. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate you taking my call. Okay, so here's our situation. My husband is uh, very close to retirement. He will be retiring at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. I am, I think I'm retired, but I don't, I don't have a big retirement check coming in. We um, have over 100000 and uh, he will have a pension, which is great. And we also have a thrift savings, which is doing mm -hmm. fine. Um, my question is this. He has to start filling out all these papers about how he wants things to work out. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the retirement, there's something about survivor's benefits where if he should pass away, let's mm -hmm. hope not, but should he pass away, would he want to um, have it set up where I would get mm -hmm. 5% of that retirement, mm -hmm. I would not receive the whole retirement, or 50 or 75. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, that will come out of what we have in our retirement that we get monthly. Mm -hmm. yeah, so what do you think is a smart thing to do on that? Um, and can I just ask real quickly, is that pension, is that the FERS, the Federal Employee Retirement System yeah. pension? Okay. Um, so I haven't seen the calculations for the 75% one, but is that where um, you reduce your benefit by 5% so that your survivor can get 25%? You reduce your benefit by 10% so that your survivor can get 15, uh, 50%? Does that sound right? So, yes, I'm thinking it was a little higher than that, actually, of what comes out of your retirement. Okay. But that may be right. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. In, in the 75% level, I'm, I'm less familiar with that. Um, but I, I actually have looked at a FERS benefit recently, and my conclusion was the benefit was not priced by an actuary, and it was actually just a really good deal uh, because that reduction in benefit um, – was just so easily paid back. You know, if anything were to happen, you know, it would so easily uh, have been worth it. Um, and and the minimal reduction of like the one I said I was looking at was a ten percent reduction in your benefit uh, in order to give your survivor fifty percent. And and it wasn't even a permanent reduction. If your if your spouse died before you, then you would just go back to getting your full benefit. Um, it was clearly a very 
good deal for the surviving spouse. Um, that being said, you know, to evaluate that, we kind of have to look at everything. We kind of have to look at, you know, what all do you, you know, how much, how much would you need that pension? You know, like you said, you have a significant uh, thrift savings plan. You're both going to have um, Social Security, and Social Security has built-in survivor's benefits. Um, although if one person dies, then, you know, you, you go to whoever the higher whoever the higher benefit was you don't you don't get any combination of the two um so seeing how much you need and how much you are going to depend on that income is going to kind of show uh how much you should you know how much benefit you're going to need to replace you know if that if that first benefit is is you know very 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 important to y'all um you know if it's going to be a if it's going to make up a huge part of your a large part of your income then that survivor benefit is going to be more important and more valuable. Um, if it doesn't make a big part of your income, then you don't necessarily need a big survivor benefit. Um, so that's going to be just, you know, I would, I would suggest what first, first sit down with your husband and say, okay, what is our spending going to look like in retirement? You know, what's going to change, what's going to drop off, what's still going to be covered and, and then see, you know, okay, what are our income sources going to be? We're going to have social security. We're going to have, you know, this pension for some point. Uh, we can use this TSP. We can make, you know, kind of sustainable withdrawals out of the TSP or any other savings you have. And so look where all of your income is coming from and then see how important is that first piece. Um, and so that's kind of how the evaluation works. Um, additional considerations that go in, you know, if there's a big age difference between you, if, um, if there's, you know, health issues and you kind of suspect, oh, well, you know, you know, my husband is 20 years older and he's definitely going to die soon. That's well, you know, it makes it super valuable. But if he's, you know, 20 years younger and he's going to live forever, like, eh, well, you know, I don't know. He may, he may want that larger benefit himself. Um, so I think those are the two main things. Looking for any big disparities in ex- life expect life expectancy, and then looking at you know how important is that first benefit to you. Okay, you have helped me out. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah. So you're gonna sit down, pull a lot of information out with your husband together, and then you know, and then you know, probably take that to a financial planner who can kind of you know add their expertise, add their experience to that, and 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 show you how it's gonna work out. Okay, we may come see you. All right, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, thank Joe. You All right. Thank you, Kevin. Absolutely. Good to hear from you, Joe. Thank you for your call. We need to take another break. Uh, Greg is on the line. Greg, we'll get to your call after this break. We are talking about retirement investing on Money Talks today, and we're looking for your question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. we got a math problem for you. Play along at home. Get your paper, your pencil, and calculator ready. How much money would a 25-year-old need to invest today at a 7.5% interest rate to retire with $300,000 when they're age 65 in 2059? Again, a 25-year-old, how much do they need to invest at a 7.5% interest rate to retire with $300,000 in 2059 when they're 65 years old? We'll have the answer for you after the break, so stay tuned. This is MPB Think Radio.
listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talk on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He is a chartered financial analyst and also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We had a little math problem for you before the break. Uh, so a 25-year-old wanting to retire at age 65 in the year 2059 with $300,000 at a 7.5% interest rate, they would need to invest $16,626 today. So hopefully uh, you got that right, and thanks for playing along with us. Uh, we're talking about retirement investing this morning, looking for your comments and questions via the phone lines. And so let's go back uh, to the phone lines, beginning again with Greg, who's called in from Columbus. Greg, thanks for holding. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Uh, thank you, sir, for taking my call. Hey, I have a couple comments. I do have a question about stocks and uh, retirement. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, when I, I'm almost 60 years old. When I was, uh, you know, cleaning off cows, you know, for milking and everything back when I was 10, 12 years old, uh, the talk then was about Social Security not being around since Reagan was taking the budget, I think, to three uh, trillion or something. And it was unheard of thinking that it'd ever go today and what uh, the money's been devalued at. And that's really important in financial planning, too. But mm-hmm. it starts when you're young. And, uh, you know, you have to have a frame of mind. I've tried to pass this along to my children, but they almost want nothing to do with it. And, uh, you know, like my one son, he's, uh, you know, serving in the military. He doesn't save a dime. And I've tried mm-hmm. to convince him. I love your uh, thing as far as to get, you know, just $300,000 when you're 60. You know, he got a $20,000 sign-on bonus. I have no idea even what happened to it. And I told him, I said, don't even touch it. I said, let me set you up or give you a call to uh, one of the financial houses where you can just throw that in an IRA and never touch it. But, you know, you try to tell that to kids. You try to tell them to stay in school, (laughs) you know, get good grades, attendance, and it goes in one ear out the other. And I've all warned them. Yeah, into your forties and your fifties. I had the benefit of seeing aunt and uncle worked in the steel industry up north. That's where I was from, and uh, the look of despair in their face when the steel industry went under, and yeah. they lost everything. And uh, you know, it's just tragic. They right. had nothing else to fall back on. But and then, as far as the stock question, that they, you know, I, I have invested. I, I'm rather frugal. I drive a piece of junk car, but it moves. I could afford a, a BMW. <laughs> that's or a the way. But I, but I tell my kids that's the stupidest thing out there. Nobody cares about how my flesh arrives, whether it's in a beautiful car or, you know, this Toyota Tacoma with 200,000 miles on it. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is there a stock market fund that I could uh, take money and put into it and then manage it on a daily basis? I've got a stock fund with and a trading ability with a private company, USA. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as I know, I can't manage my own IRA or retirement account on a daily basis. Is that true? Um, I, I, with any Most brokerages will allow you to, to kind of look at and trade at any time you want, uh, so long as the market's open. Um, looking at it every day and managing it on a daily basis, I, I think might be you might find that's a little excessive. Um, and I, and I, you know, but, but now and then you look at something and it's like, wow, that thing is uh, 
totally devalued. I told people last fall, I said, buy Hershey stock. And they're like, why? <laughs> I said, they're about the only major chocolate manufacturer, well, Nestle too. But, and I said, look at their stock and look at their value. I said, they're even, they've even tried to sell off the chocolate company because they got too much money in chocolate. Um, and so today, Hershey's almost trading at 150 bucks a share. You, you have made 50% on your money in six months. Yes. So I couldn't, so, I couldn't do that with my you, you should account. You should be able to just open uh, open a, open an account at pretty much any brokerage you can find uh, will allow you to place trades, purchase Hershey if you want. I don't really know how the USA uh, accounts work, but I mean, you know, the, the major ones like Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, all of those, you can just open an account. Uh, you can you can have it be your IRA and you can move your old IRA into it um, or you can just have a regular taxable account and just put money into it and then you can you can buy and sell stocks to your heart's delight um, you know for for good or for ill um, so yeah you can you can very easily do that at, at, at any kind of major we call them discount brokerages where you don't get the full service advice you don't get the uh, full service uh, you know access uh, to you know kind of maybe private offerings or something but you you get you get a broad access to the US markets uh, for real cheap um, a lot of them will even you know if you bring over an account to them they'll give you you know free trades for you know six months or a year or something like that so yeah fairly easy to do that opening a discount brokerage they probably even offer a little bit of research a little bit of advice um, it's just not necessarily the same as working with an actual uh, broker or financial planner all right, Greg, thanks for your call, your comment and questions. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, talking today about retirement investment, but also looking for personal finance questions. Call You can call in with your question at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Off to Memphis we go next. Derek has a question for us. Good morning, Derek. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. I was uh, calling because I'm, you know, looking at a trans, uh, transition here in a career. I'm currently a, a military officer in transition, <clears throat> and I'm kind of trying to weigh the costs and benefits of going towards, you know, civilian employment versus federal employment. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you have great benefits like the TSP, the Thrift Savings Plan, as some of the other callers have mentioned, um, and the pension that's available to you at 20 years service buyback, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so one of the the biggest things that I've come into. Um, difficulty in figuring out is how much more would I need to make in the outside world in the civilian world in order to invest, you know, in a normal 6% market and, and kind of retain that same retirement value over time. And I have plenty of time, I'm only 30 years old right now, I have plenty of time to continue investing and build another career, but there's, it's, it's difficult to figure out that, that cost benefit analysis and do the actual math for me. Yeah, so um, that's an interesting question. I, I would say, <laughs> in my head, I'm just like picturing the spreadsheet I'm going to make when I get back to the office to try to figure I, this out. I completely understand um, myself. It's not easy. <laughs> well, I, and I guess one of the uh, small benefit of, of working in the federal government and working in the military is you there is kind of a pay scale, so you can kind of make educated guesses of what your income is going to be for the next you know several years. Um, and then, uh, like you said, you know, with uh, with the federal pension, you know, you can kind of calculate what will that be worth? Um, what will that be worth? Kind of, you know, if I work another 10 years, uh, like you said, to get that 20 year uh, vesting or, you know, or, you know, what if I work, you know, just continue my life in the federal um, um, federal employment. 
Uh, one one thing I would just say is general career advice. Don't don't pick a job, especially your age. You don't have to pick a job solely based on the financial benefits. Um, obviously, we work because we get money that allows us to do the things that we want to do. Uh, so it is very important. Um, but you know, you now is not really the time to be nitpicky about you know the details. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, that's just stuff. I, I, I would say look, with the federal employment, you can look really closely at what, you're, what you might make, uh, what you might be able to save, and what the benefits would be uh, available to you and how much those would be worth. That's, that's not a difficult thing. Uh, looking in the private sector is a little bit harder because, you know, your pay can vary a lot more. Um, probably get a, you know, jump just from moving to the private sector. You know, you'd, you'd give up, you know, some benefits possibly. Um, but you know that being said your 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 career probably wouldn't be as stable um right. but as well you know it can mean a much higher you know a much higher ceiling a lot a lot a lot higher to grow that income so um that's tough um i think you know like i said you can va- you can you can put a put a value on that those federal benefits um but the private sector is just going to be a lot more ambiguous uh but really you know you just follow your heart man you're 30 like <laughs> follow your heart for at least like 5 or 10 years and, and then and then start worrying about the money i appreciate it <laughs> absolutely all right derek thanks for the call uh let's move on next we'll go to V, who's called in from Waynesboro. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. I enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, it's very educational for the community. I have an interest in trading in penny stocks. Uh, would you have the speaker to elaborate on that issue? Ooh. Uh, where did you get this interest in trading penny stocks, might I ask? Um, some friends said, well, um, uh-huh. they, they trade and they said that they would, um, do well at times. At times they will do well. Now, are there times when they don't do well? Yes. And over the long run, are they, are they doing well or not? They're doing well. They're pretty savvy. They've been trading a while. Uh-huh. Um, I will say uh, the penny stock arena is an area where there are tons of frauds and scams and uh, folks who like to boast a lot more than um, boast about their winnings a lot more than they like being honest about their losing. Um, uh, penny stocks are the, the trading of them is generally a lot more difficult. They are not uh, they're These are companies that. Generally speaking, uh, just for the wider audience, penny stocks are defined as stocks trading under, uh, I think they're going $4 now is what they say. Uh, They're usually traded off of major exchanges because major exchanges require you to have a kind of minimum stock price for a certain amount of time. Um, So... They're harder to access. They're harder to get good information on. And so a lot of folks are trading these based on, you know, 
maybe technical patterns that are that are not supported by a whole lot of volume, um, not supported by a very deep liquid market like the most of the U.S. market is. Um, and there could be things going on in that company that you just don't know about because they are not reporting those things, or they're, maybe they're not reporting them in a timely manner. Um, so if you haven't been able to figure it out already, I am not a fan of trading penny stocks. Um, there is a there is a lot more heartbreak there than people will let you let on. All right, David, thanks for your call. We appreciate that. Uh, so if a, st- a stock, uh, the price of a stock goes too low, it will sometimes be removed from an exchange? Yes. Uh, you can get kicked off an exchange if you don't maintain a certain stock price for... I mean, they give you a certain amount of time. Um, there are some other qualifiers, you know, uh, trading volume, uh, size of the actual company, et cetera, et cetera. And so for someone who's interested... I mean, look, if you want to trade penny stocks and you just know that you're going to throw away money and it's going to be entertaining to you... That's fine. I mean, some people do want to light their money on fire. Um, But if you want to get into investing so that you can set money aside for the long term and reach these long term goals... Uh, then there are much easier, uh, much lower costs, uh, much less risky ways to do that. And, um, you know, like we always suggest, uh, like we always suggest, just going back to, um, you know, setting money aside in some low-cost mutual funds, some low-cost index funds, which are just going to track the broad market, um, making sure you've got an appropriate mix of uh, U.S. stocks, international stocks, bonds, and cash, appropriate mix for your risk tolerance and your needs um and 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 that's that's kind of that's how you meet those long-term goals um and 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 that even goes back to uh speaking to greg earlier who you know he wanted to invest in individual stocks and look if you know if you're you you know what you're doing and you're doing your research and you know what you're doing especially from a portfolio management standpoint and now i can't stress this enough you know you could think you know all everything in the world about a company um but if you are not putting it in your portfolio in an appropriate way, you know, you're exposing yourself to a lot more risk. And, you know, for instance, you know, if if Hershey went down 20% after he recommended it and it was 5% of his portfolio, well, that's not bad. I mean, he's lost 1%. He still believes in it. You know, that's okay. But if he put 100% of his portfolio into it, it's down 20%. And it's all that's a lot of money. And it's a lot harder to stick with that. And so the portfolio management side is, is, is really important. I cannot stress that enough, um, which is why I recommend the simpler, broader approaches. So our producer, Liz Gill, said that she thought she heard that J.C. Penney was in danger of their stock price dipping low enough to be off the exchanges. Have you heard anything about that? Well, it's got Penny in the name, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I believe, you know, I have not checked J.C. Penney. I know they were in a time, they've been just kind of in a decline for a number of years. I want to say I read something recently. They were they were trading at around a dollar. I'm not, you know, I'm not checking that stock right now, so I, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah. That's, 61 cents. 61, yeah. That is a real risk risk of getting delisted if they have not already. I believe I believe I read maybe they're doing a reverse share split to try to bring that price up, um, but really that's kind of a desperate move. If, if, if their executives are not focused on turning the company around, it's just a matter of time. All right, uh, time for one last break this hour. We've got Chris on the line from Laurel. Chris, if you'll hold on through the break, we'll get to your question uh, right after we get back. Also, we've got an email to share as well. We've been talking today about retirement investing. Still time to work in a phone call. If you call in quickly, 
directly to 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Back to wrap up Money Talks after this final break. Listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been talking about retirement investing uh, today. We got a couple of calls on the line to get to, so let's jump right back there again, beginning with Chris in Laurel. Chris, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Uh, yes, this question is a little different. And first of all, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I had a question about the EB5, EB5 immigration program. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know how do you gain um, access to those funds a, a, as a business owner, as a source for um, in, investment? Uh, okay. Um, yeah, so just to back up a little bit, EB5 is it's a visa program that allows foreigners who invest uh, a certain amount of money in a business, and uh, I believe there's certain requirements as to where the business is located, you know, how many people it's employed, that sort of stuff. There's there's a lot of... ten people, and it needs to be in a, in a low economy, yeah. or a low employment area, if I remember. There you go. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of requirements for the visa holder, and um, this is classically one of the ways that people will say, oh, people can just buy their way into the U.S. Um, yeah, they have to have a lot of money, and and become an investor, an owner of a business, for instance. Um, so, uh, getting so you're looking to have somebody invest in your business. Uh, you're looking to access that 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 pool of capital. Um, there are some kind of business brokers who uh, maybe specialize in or who help handle EB five cases. Um, and so, you know, they are. I I, I don't know how big that market is. I don't know how active that market is, but there are uh, law firms and um, business brokerages that do you know help with that process because you know you know the easy way to do it is you know buying into an existing business, obviously, um, and so you know the law firms who assist with that immigration process and the business brokers there are helping uh, would help funnel those money. And I, I would suggest uh, contacting them and you know just kind of making yourself available. Um, I'm sure any of those they would they would want to significantly vet you. You know they would want to see a lot of financial statements. They would want to see kind of you know how is the money going to be used, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, um, before they would be able to kind of connect uh, an investor immigrant with you. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, Absolutely. thanks for your call. Let's uh, get one more call in before the end of the show, and it's uh, Jimmy calling in from Hattiesburg. Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning. Um, I have a question on uh, moving your 401k to an IRA. Yeah. I have uh, 
I've been retired for three years now, mm-hmm. and my my um, I, I'm still invested in the 401k. I have moved it, mm-hmm. and I've heard that you should move it to an IRA. Is that is that true? Uh, yeah. So you you. You can move it to an IRA. Um, a lot of times we see that uh, once somebody is retired, uh, while, while you're employed and while you're working for your employer, then they actually are probably paying a significant amount of the costs of your 401k because, you know, managing that, administering that, you know, processing payments, making trades, all of that stuff, it, 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 it's not free. Uh, there has to there have to be people who are being paid to do it, um, handle those details for you. So your employer as part of the 401k benefit will often cover a lot of those costs. Um, and additionally, uh, those costs are spread out amongst all the other employees. Um, when you retire, what you often see, is, and this is not the case with everybody, what you often see is employers will shift that cost onto a retiree because, you know, you're, you know, you're retired now, you know, they're not paying you, and now you're kind of a burden on their 401k. So sometimes it makes a lot of sense. Sometimes you can have significant cost savings from moving that 401k to an IRA. An IRA is it's the same sort of tax structure, you know. Rolling it over directly to an IRA, there's no tax consequences. It's still tax protected. You still only pay taxes when you take money out. Um, but there's a couple of things that may be benefits. One, like I mentioned, you might have access. You might get lower expenses. Uh, two, you might have access to more or better investments. Um, a lot of 401ks, you know, they have a very limited selection of investments you can put your money in, and those investments might not be the best or most appropriate for you. Uh, three, if you're working with an advisor, often that'll be how you pay their fee. Uh, they will manage your account and you know they will you know that will be kind of the basis for which they are able to charge you and that's how you pay for all that advice. Um, again, it's not necessary to move your IRA to a 401k. Um, you absolutely can and very often we do find there are a lot of benefits to it um, but it's always going to be something you look at you know kind of on a case by case basis say look am I saving money? Am I getting better options? Am I getting better help out of this deal? All right, Jimmy, thanks for your call. That is going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, go to mpbonline.org slash money talks or listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill and our call screener today was Java Chapman. For Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell inviting you to stay tuned because up next at 10, it's in legal terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks that's heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.